back, and I hope that you've been fellowshipping and worshiping with us and having some fun. I want to encourage those of you that are on the chat room, so you're watching the feed, and you can also chat. So you could be on tbnpacific.org.au forward slash Live City Church. I hope you do that, because if you do, we've got a copy of your email address, and we can send some great goodies to you. And, uh, but, and you can also chat there. Some of you are um, on Twitch some of you are on Facebook Live. So keep those comments coming in. We've got some guys that will be looking after you and responding to those. And uh, we got a, uh, a chat person noticing that I'm wearing my thongs today. I realized, like, I'm at home, so why am I wearing a dress-up shirt and all that? So I'm just going to go comfortably. But I did dress up with a pair of jeans for you today because it is Sunday, after all, in the Lord's house. So I hope you're all in your, uh, some of you in your Jimmy Jams. If you're in your Jimmy Jams, can you go ahead and on your chat put down hashtag love my jams. Hashtag love my jams. Just put that on your chat. We'll know who you are. We're going to party together. That's the best part about this. We can't see you. You can see us. So we have to dress up a little bit. But you get the luxury of Jimmy Jam's breakfast and a cup of coffee. So I hope you relax with us. Get your Bibles ready or your smart devices. And I want you to turn with me to the book of Psalms and chapter 62. Psalm 62. And we're going to read verses 5 to 8. That's our key scripture for today. It's Psalm 62, verses 5 to 8. So I'm going to give the guys that are watching my family an opportunity to look it up so I know how long it takes you to look it up. Hopefully by now, it doesn't take you that long. Awesome. While you're turning there, I love being a Christian. (coughs) Excuse me. COVID, COVID, COVID. I just lost 16 viewers. <laughs> you can't get. I uh, I've been outside. I've been mowing, and I and I get a little bit allergic to the stuff there. Uh, if you saw what I started with, it was the most amazing thing. I had grass up to my up to my waist, and I kid you not, it was it was really bad. So anyway, I got there and I got through it. But I got to tell you, I love being a Christian, and I love it a lot because of the hope that it gives me for life and for living. And I've been an atheist for a very short time, so I've been a Christian pretty much all my life. But there was a period of time in my days in uni as a sophomore, my second year in university, and I just lost my way. But I remember and I recall the feelings that I had at that time. And it went along the lines of something like this. If there is nothing after this lifetime, then we have nothing to live for. I love the words of Lecrae. He says this, he makes a statement. He says, If I made a mistake, then I've wasted my lifetime. But if you made a mistake, you've wasted eternity. And I know which one I'd rather waste, if anything else. But I am assured of this, that this faith is real and this faith is strong. Because if this is as good as it gets, then this is a very sad proposition. The world we live in can be very sad and very disappointing. I think anyone here who's lived long enough can attest to this. And so today, I believe God wants to bring a fresh word to you today to encourage you, particularly right now if you're struggling or if you're hurting. Let's read together Psalm 62 and verses 5 to 8. It reads like this. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, 
my refuge. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Right now, many of you have come to the realization that life as we know it has changed. I've been reading the reports and staying on top of some of the news. Thousands of jobs have been lost. I mean, overnight. Businesses have have and have yet to go under. Our collective airline wings have been clipped. We can't travel anywhere. We can't even go interstate. Many countries in the world are also in a complete lockdown. And undoubtedly, many of you have lost your jobs, and some have no hope for tomorrow. There's anger. There's shock. There's denial. And if you keep listening to the news 24-7, it will suck the life out of you. I love how this verse just begins to calm our souls. It says in verse 5, find rest. I just want to pause there for a moment. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. So King David is making this point. Your soul can be in such unease, such unrest, and, and he recognizes this fact that this is just a normal human trait that we have. And I love how the Bible points out this really obvious thing, but we normally can't see. We are too busy to rest. Some of you understand, and you're relating to this. And maybe, I've been thinking to myself, maybe we need this rest. Maybe this isolation is the best thing that we have for us. Because it forces us to stop everything. It forces us to spend some time as a family. I've been busy. We're, We're normally very busy. My wife wakes up at 5 a.m. in the morning, and she does PT. If you don't know what that is, you need to get fit. That's called personal training. So she has a personal trainer working with her from 5 a.m. in the morning, and then I'll meet her about 6 when she comes back, and quietly we'll do devotions. So she's doing hers. She's reading through the Bible, and she journals, and I'm reading through the Bible, and we journal. We'll exchange a few comments here and there, but we focus that time on the Lord. And immediately after that, it's like the shotgun goes off, getting uh, the little ones ready for school, um, getting, making, making sure the uniforms are ready to go, everything's washed, clean, we are rushing around, there's a panic sometimes, oh my goodness, we're running out of time, and we get in the car, we're taking off, dropping the kids off, getting to school, then there's the busyness of that day, just running around, running around, running around, trying to figure out, are you able to pick up the kids? No, I can pick up the kids, and we're trying to work this thing through, finally we get the kids, we come home, and it doesn't end there. Now we've got to go make sure that we've got enough food for cooking. We're checking through the recipes. We're trying to figure out what do we got, you know. Uh, my wife makes this comment. She says, you know, uh, I'm glad you're cooking. See, when I cook, I put love in my cooking. I put love in it. Kids know there's love in it. My wife, she says, I cook so the family doesn't die. And <laughs> it's an admirable thing, so thank you so much. She's actually a phenomenal cook. But because of the busyness of life, it takes the life out of you. And then by the time you finish cleaning up, there's bedtime routine, and we're putting the kids to bed. Now, she's exhausted. She's gone to sleep already. Meanwhile, I'm up, and I've got to do more work. We're calling around. We have meetings during the day. And so we go to sleep, and the day begins again. I recall that my dad, when he was alive, he was a workaholic. He was the last one to go to bed, and he was the first one to rise. In fact, he would be up around 3.30 in the morning, and uh, he'd make sure that all the ministry workers in training to be pastors and leaders had awoken and that they'd come down for prayer from 4 or 4.30, and they're praying away, and it's loud, for an hour. 
and they pray before the mosque comes out with with their call to prayer. And then the day is busy, and he's he's flat out with meetings going here and there and everywhere. I remember that. Always too busy for the family. Always. And then at the end of the day, things still went on. There were still meetings at night. In between, we try and have meals. And then he would be the last one to go to sleep after our final prayers at night. All the ministry time, uh, ministry staff were downstairs. There'd be devotions. One of them would lead. And then there'd be prayer for another hour. And then he would be the last one to go to bed after midnight. So about three hours sleep every day. And is it any wonder that he passed away at the age of 53? When he passed away, I was 22 years old, and I thought, man, that's old. 53 is old. It's a long, long time away. And then I, I come to the realization, I'm now one year away from when my father passed away. By this time, he had multiple problems with his heart. He had his first, heart's, uh, he had his first stroke at the age, oh, I think he was 43 years old. I remember we're on a ministry trip, and we're traveling through, going to, I think we're heading from Jakarta to Java in Indonesia. And on the way, instead of doing 100 kilometers an hour, all of a sudden, like we took a rest break and we're doing literally 20 kilometers an hour on a highway. And it is dangerous. People are passing by. They're honking. And, you know, and I'm, I'm leaning over. Dad, are you okay? Dad, are you okay? And he didn't say a thing. You don't, and you don't ask anymore with Dad. You know, he's a very serious guy. And then finally, mercifully, he pulled over to the side of the road, and we didn't realize just how terrible his problem was, but he was constantly living tired, tired, tired. And we drive ourselves like that. In Luke chapter 21, you can just write these verses down and look it up later. In Luke 21, verses 25 to 26, the Bible says this, There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. Men will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. If some of you are predicting doom and gloom, this is the end times, the end times. Well, you know what? The apostle Peter preached, and the very first recorded message he had, he said, this is that spoken by the prophet Joel, that in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. We've been saying it's the last days for over 2,000 years. I say to you today, you may not make it past today. I mean, God forbid. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not predicting. I'm not prophesying anything. I'm saying you might not make it. You don't know. You, have no hope. you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring you. And that's the thing. It's always being ready. We're living in last days now. And if you're wondering, is this real? Is this stress and distress that we've, we're feeling real? Have a listen to this. In September 2016, U.S. News and World Report said this. The U.S. is one of the most depressed countries in the world, according to the World Health Organization, in terms of quality, years of life lost due to disability or death, it's a wisely adopted public health metric that measures the overall burden of disease, the U.S. ranked third for unipolar depressive disorders. I don't know if I said that right. Unipolar? Anyway. Unipolar depressive disorders just after China, which ranked number one, and India. India, this is the order, China and U.S. are also the countries most affected by anxiety, schizophrenia, and bipolar disorder, according to the World Health Organization. About one in five adults in the U.S. experiences some form of mental illness each year, according to the National Alliance on Mental Illness. But only 41% of those affected received medical health care. So less than half are actually receiving treatment. 
on the past services. And before you laugh too long, you say, well, that's the Americans. We know they're crazy. <laughs> According to Paul Hayes, 30 September 2019, on racpgp.org.au, reputable site, anxiety and depression rates continue to creep upwards according to the Australian Bureau of Statistics in a national health survey. You'll find the results in 2017, 2018. So the very recent, even a whole nation struggles with this. And so David says this, he says, find rest. We're working so hard, maybe this is the best thing for us. Find rest, oh my soul, in God alone. If you're looking to find rest in anything else, you won't. Some of you are isolated. Some of you are trying to rest, but your mind is plaguing you. and You still can't go to sleep. You still suffer from insomnia. The Bible says, find rest in God alone. Verse 5 continues, it says, my hope is comes from him so we find rest in him and now the bible says we find hope from him you can waste your days chasing after things in life there's lots on offer perhaps for you it's the next you know what's the next playstation coming up sony playstation 5 is the new one everyone's thinking about it. there's a lot of hope going on to all the gaming community sony playstation 5 some of you are pooing and saying no no xbox 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 i hear you but let me go along with this example just follow with me for others it's going to be that new house for others you're hoping when you get to get married you have all these things you see hope is the expectation of good outcomes let me give you an example of what it is for hope. I've, I've got some, I've got my, uh, I've got my panel over here telling me. Oh, sorry, I beg your pardon. Okay, got it, got it. Yes, right. You got to make it really obvious for this speaker, very overtly. That's right. You know, back in the day, you know, uh, my wife would try and, and signal and all that. She's given up on that. She realizes I don't pick up on the signal. Okay, so think about this. So talking about, are you hopeful? Fill a glass in your house halfway and then ask your family, is the glass half full or is it half empty? You, I got some fools over here. Not fools. I got some fools over here. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I got daggers staring at me right now. Is your glass half full or is your glass half empty? It'll tell you a little bit about your hope. It's a difference between perhaps a pessimist and an optimist. According to dictionary.com and looking up that word hope, this is how they describe it. Hope is the feeling that what is wanted can be had or that events will turn out for the best. Hope, according to dictionary.com, also means to feel that something desired may happen. So you might be thinking to yourself, well, you know, I got lots of hope. I had a question to ask you. Who has more hope? Someone who is filthy rich, the billionaire, or someone who's poor? Just think about this for a moment. Who has more hope? A billionaire, maybe a millionaire, or someone who's absolutely dirt poor? Who has more hope? Now, I want you to think about this. Again, the meaning of the word hope is the feeling that what is wanted can be had or that the events will turn out for the best, to feel something desired may happen. So, who has more hope? And you might be thinking to yourself, maybe that dirt poor person is hopeless, but the person who is filthy rich, the billionaire, is hopeful, has lots of hope. But maybe we need to change the way that we think, because that person 
who says that he is the, the billionaire is hopeful. If they can get everything they want in an instant, never have to think twice about it, never have to ask anyone, they get it instantly. Is that really hope? Because hope is waiting for something. You don't have it yet. It's the feeling that what is wanted can be had, but you don't have it right now. So who's more hopeful? That person who's living in poverty, who's struggling, but is hoping to get that set a bicycle so that they can do more work and able to get more jobs. Just a bicycle. Are they the ones more hopeful or is a person who gets everything they want hopeful? Because according to the definition, if you get what you want and are satisfied immediately, maybe you're not that hopeful. There was an interesting study that was done by a rich school. Don't ask me where it is. The study that I read was is about eight years old. So forgive me for this one. I'm sure it's there. You can look it up yourself. But they made the study. It was a rich, affluent school, a college. And they did this study to find out why there was so much um, suicide in their school. So it was just a thing that was happening. And after the last one, they said, we need to do a study. Let's find out. So they were looking through and trying to figure out why is the suicide rate so high in this affluent school. So they decided to check with their brother or sister schools and ask them, what's your suicide rate like? And they're also affluent schools, and sure enough, their suicide rate is also higher than ever before. It is really high. So they decided, let's compare ourselves to the poor schools, and I bet you their suicide rate is going to be even higher. I mean, look at the things that the world is throwing at us. Surely if we're struggling, they're really, really struggling, because at least we're comfortable. But to their amazement, they found out that the suicide rate in the poor schools, the schools with lower socioeconomic backgrounds, they actually had less suicide per capita compared to the affluent schools. And this is what they discovered. The difference was that because the people who were poor, what they wanted was denied to them. They couldn't have it straight away. But the parents might have said, look, why don't you save up some money, and then we'll save up the equivalent money. Let's go halfway, and when you have enough, we'll buy it for you. Whereas the rich kids, whatever they wanted, the parents gave it to them. And so they never built up hope, which is, again, about waiting. You can't always have it right now. It's waiting for the great things to happen. Whereas these affluent kids were getting it immediately and were not learning to build resilience. And this is what it's about. Hope will build resilience in your life. We're always looking towards something that we don't have yet. That's called hope. Hope is only available when you have an expectation of receiving something that you do not have yet, but are hopeful to get it. Verse 6 says this, He alone is my rock and my salvation. So if we go back over the scripture, it's saying that you can find rest in God. You can find hope in God. And now this third one is saying you can find salvation in God. Now, King David was the one that wrote this particular Psalms. And if you study the life of King David, you know that a big period of his time, imagine being anointed a king while you're still a kid, while the king of Israel is still alive. And then he finds out that you've been anointed king, and he knows that his son is going to be bypassed, his firstborn, and that the kingship is going to be given to this guy. Imagine that kind of pressure. And so the Bible tells us how he's running from place to place, trying to, uh, trying to basically stay alive. And before he can rest anywhere, all of a sudden spies find out where he is. But David discovered that rocks 
rock formations were a safe place to go because you can hide under these large rocks. In fact, he found caves that he could find in. In fact, twice Saul was entered the cave where David was hiding in. <laughs> the Bible says. And so you might shoot your arrows and you can throw your spears, but when it hits that rock, it's not going to come near you. And that's what he understood. And that's the word pictures he's trying to give us. He's saying, he alone is my rock. He alone is my salvation. So the two words are a meeting together. He's saying that the rock is your place of safety. That's where you can be saved. And that's where that word salvation comes from. David found the answer in the midst of his daily stress. He says this, God alone is my rock. And I hope that you can discover this for yourself today. You may be struggling right now, and the worries of life are coming against you. You might have lost your job, and you're thinking to yourself, how am I going to pay the bills? The Bible is full of Scripture telling you, you can, you can depend on Him for your salvation. He will rescue you. He alone is your salvation. I want to finish with this final point. Trust in Him, the Bible says, at all times. So let's put it together. The Bible is saying that you can find rest in God. It's telling you you can find hope in God. It tells you you can find salvation and safety in God. And the fourth one is saying you can find trust in Him. Trust in Him. I love how he puts these words together. It says, trust in Him at all times. Not sometimes, like just when you're in trouble now. No, it means trust in Him at all times, O people, Pour out your hearts to him. Sometimes that friend that you need is not available for you. They're busy themselves, and they can't be there to listen and to hear the distress of your heart. And sometimes they're incapable of understanding you, and you are so frustrated, and it's mounting frustration, and they can't understand you. They might have time, but they can't understand, or they don't have time. And you feel so trapped by your feelings and unable to pour out your grief because you can't even trust anyone with your secrets anymore. Imagine King David, who's writing these things, who's a king. He's a king. And he can't just tell his troops that I'm struggling. I'm feeling so remorseful. I'm feeling so heavy. The Bible tells us other psalms where he tells us his feelings. He says, I am as, I'm a lowly worm. I'm as low as a worm. The next minute he's saying, I'm as high as an eagle. I'm as strong as a mountain. Other times I'm a lowly worm. We understand that. There are days when you can feel victorious. And there are other days you just feel like that lonely worm and all that hope is sucked out of you. Again, I want to tell you, if you keep listening to that use 24-7, it will suck the hope right out of you. When everyone around him that he needed wasn't there, when the people he was depending on for counsel wasn't there, what did David do? The Bible tells us at a place called Ziklag, when they had lost everything, while they were away fighting a war, some army came and took away everything they had. Their wife, their children, all their goods was taken away. And the men were grieving, and they began to point the fingers at him like David lost things too. But the Bible tells us David strengthened himself in the Lord. As I'm finishing up this morning, I want you to understand this. We can lose hope. Because the situation beat all the hope out of us. But we have this hope in Christ, and that's something far better. This life 
is only a practice for eternity. That's the thing. If you're, if you're an atheist, if you, if you don't believe there's life after death, this, if this is as good as it gets, that's a really sad point to make. But I love this, and that's why I love being a Christian, because I know there is a greater hope than this. We, we're going to live forever. And this is just a practice. Learn to trust Him now. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verses 3 to 4 says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade kept in heaven for you. Now, here's a thought. To say there's a living hope infers that there can also be a dead hope. Some of you are hoping for things that are not going to lead you to anything. It will only lead you to despair. It will only lead you to distress. And it begs the question, what kind of hope do you have? Because I would rather have a living hope than a dead hope. If all you can possibly hope for is found during your time on this planet, then those elderly, the very sick, others who have little hope, have no hope at all. And it's a terrible place to be in. To be hopeless is to be godless. Hopelessness is godlessness. I love what verse 8 tells us. In Romans, uh, sorry, in uh, verse 8 it says, Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to Him, for God is our refuge. You can know this one thing for a fact, that when no one else will listen, you're not alone. The Lord is so concerned about you. You aren't an accident. You're made on purpose, and God so cares for you. The Bible says He numbers the hairs on your head. Not, not that He knows there's 5,300 hairs on your head, or for some, zero. He's saying He's numbered them. This is number 354. This is number 1001. He knows you so intimately and so well. He's interested in you. The Bible says that when you cry, your tears are held in a bottle in heaven. It is so treasured to the Lord. He really, really cares for you. Can I leave you with one final verse? Romans chapter 15 verse 13 says, May the God of hope, I love that, the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you are right now struggling with hope and you're feeling quite hopeless right now, I want to invite you in just this quiet moment in your home to close your eyes. You might even be in your car. Just close your eyes with me just for a moment because I want to pray for you. And perhaps you don't know the Lord. I also want you to, to close your eyes and I want you in your heart. Let me just pray for you first and then I want to lead you in a prayer. Heavenly Father, during this time when it feels like the world has gone nuts, it's gone crazy, Lord, I ask that your love will be shown right now and that you would share your love to your people. I pray, Father, right now, your Holy Spirit will meet them where they're at. And I pray that you'd fill their heart with peace. I pray it would be so obvious. The Bible says that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. So Prince of Peace, come right now. Fill that vacuum of my brothers and my sisters who are listening or watching this vodcast. My God, I pray, speak to them right now. Comfort them where they're at. And I pray, Lord, by your Spirit, you begin to guide them. 
Father, I pray you'd minister to them. I pray that you'd begin to turn things around for them like, day, like night becomes day. In the name of Jesus, transform them, I pray. And perhaps this is the first time that you've heard the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you can find hope in him. If that's you right now, you're thinking, I, I, need, I need an out. I need a reset button. I need some hope right now. I want you to say this prayer with me. Repeat it. You can do it out loud in your home, but I want you to definitely pray it in your heart. So pray with me this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. I can't understand your love, how deep it is. All I know is this. I stuffed up and you fixed it. So I'm asking right now, Jesus, forgive me and fill me with your spirit. You died for me. Now I will live for you. Amen. If you, uh, if you listen, if you said that prayer and you prayed it in your heart and uh, you're thinking, my goodness, this is me, I want you to email me. You can email me directly if you like. Um, you probably forget this email address, but if you can, if you can email info at Live City Church. We pronounce it live, okay? Info at livecitychurch.com. Tell us these things. You might even put it on the chat, but give us your email address because we want to follow you up. And just one last and final thing. If you said that prayer, I want to let you know that you can also go to our social media and click on in Facebook, in Twitter, or in Instagram because we've got a, a survey there you can fill out because we're going to start forming some new connect groups where we can connect with you. We're going to go live, and we've got different software to be able to do that. We'll help you with that. And because we've got a new Christians class, some of you, um, you, you want to be mentored perhaps, you can also put your comments in this. So fill out that survey on social media because we want to be able to follow you up and not leave it here. And most importantly, we want to encourage you to subscribe to our podcasts, okay? Tell more people about this podcast. Share it on your social media. Let them know how this is impacting you. And, hey, by the way, if there's any miracle stories you want to share with us, please let us know. We had this uh, incredible story from one of our folks in, in our church that's part of our church family. Um, his wife had been struggling with, she was an anemic and we've been praying as a church. I just got the news this week that she has been totally healed. She's been given the all clear. So we are praying for you, and God is answering these prayers. So make sure you keep those miracle stories and prayer requests coming in because we want to pray for you. We want to do life with you.